Greetings, and welcome to Content That Moves, a new podcast that highlights the very best in brand storytelling through feature films, original web series, podcasts, even interactive digital experiences. Really anything that showcases a brand's purpose and mission through the first-person narratives of real people. We want to shine a light to uncover the best practices and give you a behind-the-scenes look at all the strategy, creative, and distribution that will help you on your journey to do the same for your brand. In this episode, we're chatting with Amanda Brinkman, a true purpose-driven storyteller who has spent time on both the agency and brand side and is currently the Chief Brand and Communications Officer of Deluxe. I've been inspired by Amanda's do well by doing good approach in general, as she's led hundreds of amazing purpose and story-driven projects over the years. But in particular, I wanted to dig into how she spearheaded one of the first ever brand championed original streaming series on Hulu. It's called The Small Business Revolution and is already in its fourth season. It's actually outperforming its network-created reality show peers. How do you put something like that together? Stick around to hear just how Amanda weaves her brand storytelling magic and how it all drives some pretty impressive results for Deluxe. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, um, there's so much I want to dig into, but I'm hoping first thing you can do is just share a little bit of your background, because I know you've both been on the agency and brand side, which is super interesting. And then also maybe just like an overview of Deluxe for those that might not be familiar. Sure. So um, as it relates to me, I started my career on the ad agency side, as you mentioned. Um, I worked at Cam Thune, which is now McCann, Minneapolis. I worked at Conan Wolf in London, and then I worked at Fallon for a long time and loved my time there. Worked on BMW and the BMW films. And that's really where I started to fall in love with branded entertainment. That project really kind of helped define that category for our industry. And so I was very proud to be able to work on that. Yeah. Uh, and then I moved over to the corporate side. I really mm-hmm. felt like I wanted to bring that same level of creativity I experienced on the agency side, but bring it uh, to the corporate side, you know, rather than just mm-hmm. relying on an outside agency to bring you creativity. Can you create it kind of from the inside out? Uh, so I created an internal agency uh, for United Health Group, and it was mm-hmm. called Carrot. Yeah. Um, and it actually became a product that we sold externally around health and wellness campaigns. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to Allianz, uh, which is a financial services company, mm-hmm. and built their internal agency Consulted for a while at General Mills as they were figuring out what their internal model looked like, and then Deluxe called, and that's where I am now. Um, And Deluxe is a 100-year-old company known primarily for check printing. That's their legacy. Um, But the task or the the role that they were calling me about is, how do we turn around a 100-year-old brand that's known for a legacy product in decline and help our customers know us for our future? We still are in the check space, but we had started to really get into more fintech solutions and primarily with small business help them with their marketing needs. But nobody knew us for that. So I love right. a good meaty brand challenge where, um, you know, uh, the opportunity is to really make a seismic difference. That's awesome. And those milestones are so great for looking forward as well as looking back. And I know you were looking forward to what could be done. And this idea for the small business revolution came about. Can you talk about the genesis of that and what sort of shape it took and how you rallied everyone together around this thing? Yeah. So again, when I joined, the opportunity was how do you turn around a hundred year old brand? Uh, We're a conservative, you know, kind of St. Paul, humble company. And so we don't Mm -hmm. spend a lot on brand awareness. So Mm -hmm. to make that kind of a not only brand 
brand awareness leap, um, as well as brand perception change, I knew we needed to do something really scrappy. So mm-hmm. we weren't we weren't prepared to spend a lot against it. So I had to do uh, or find something that was really going to stretch our spend. And then we were kind of starting from zero. We had less than one percent brand awareness with small mm-hmm. businesses that we now did more than just their checking and financial needs, but that we could also help them with our marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, whenever I started a new company, I love to go out and spend time with the customers. Yeah, there's no better way to you know understand how to engage them and really reach them than if you understand kind of what it's like to be them. So yeah. Kind of you know uh, my own kind of ethnographic research. You know, walk a day in their shoes, cool. and I would be out meeting with these small business owners, and I was just so moved by their passion and their drive, their stories, and why they started their business, yeah. and just the tenacity that it took. And you know, um, I could go into individual stories, but in in summary, I just I saw that you know once you understand a small business owner's story, you really want to support them. And so for me, I felt like what a great opportunity for us to stand apart from our competitors and really be the ones to be the champions and storytellers of small businesses. And so that's where the Small Business Revolution was born. I just really wanted to create a movement. And I felt like we would reach more small businesses through that, but we would be doing good for them on the way to doing that. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like it's the best of the American dream and it's this great like David and Goliath story with these small businesses. And so when you can give them a voice and tell their stories, I mean, there's huge opportunity there. And I'm curious how, you know, it's a huge campaign, but at the center of it is this beautiful streaming television series, essentially. Can you talk about how that aspect came to be and how you developed this with Hulu as a partner, right? Because that's exciting. This must have been one of the first, like, brand-sponsored series, I would imagine. We're the only brand... produced series on Hulu now and we're actually yeah. the number one lifestyle show on Hulu. Oh, congrats. Yeah, so we're, we're outperforming realize. about 5 to 1 the actual like network created wow. you know reality series. So uh, we're pretty proud of that this sleepy, you yeah. know, 100-year-old company is producing something that co- is competing with Hollywood produced shows. So That's amazing. So yeah, how did the, yeah, the show okay, take so, part? So in the first year so so when when the movement first came to be in and this concept of okay, let's, you know, let's do something good for small businesses, let's get more people to understand the importance of uh, supporting them. You know, we called it the Small Business Revolution and we said it was championed by Deluxe. And even the word mm. championed by was a very purposeful, yeah. thoughtful um, decision we didn't want it to be sponsored by or brought to you by. And if you see, you know, if you go to smallbusinessrevolution.org or any of our, it's any of our sites, you'll see it's it's very lightly branded. It really is movement first, and that was part of the message. We really, and that was a risk, right? That that yeah. um, was not many brands would, you know, uh, spend dollars against something that isn't like really heavily branded for themselves. But we felt like if we led with the movement and the authenticity of the storytelling, that that would actually go farther, and people would engage with it more than if we were kind of like putting our brand right in front and center yeah. right to begin with and so, did you meet like when you brought that forward were there was that a challenge to say hey we really need to do this as opposed to absolutely a very insightful question so that was the biggest challenge i probably had at the very beginning was you know where's our logo and right. and we need to make sure we're getting credit for this and so i had to give a lot of passionate speeches to the board luckily yeah. i report directly to our ceo so i'm able to you know kind of um work directly uh with him um on you know, the value that I saw that could come out of this. But it was really about just kind of these passionate speeches about, like, we can't do the sea of sameness. We aren't spending enough to mm-hmm. be commensurate with our competitors. And if we just go out and do an ad campaign that says, hey, you may have known us as a check printer, but now we do marketing for small businesses. Like, we would have just been a whisper yeah. in a competitive spend hurricane. And so we needed to do something different. So I just made really passionate speeches again on 
what it can do when a company does something that matters to their customers. I, I've spent my whole career trying to prove this thesis that, uh, and I just gave a TEDx talk on it, about how companies can do well by doing good. You know, it, doing well for us by definition in this campaign would be raising awareness and changing perceptions, but we could do something that was good for small businesses. So I just really worked hard to convince them that I f- felt like betting on that authenticity mm-hmm. Would and, and the deluxe name and the deluxe brand would come along with that. And yeah. I can talk a little about the results, but that has been the case. Deluxe has gotten credit for it, and the brands haven't separated from each other, and so that has come to be. Um, but I didn't answer your yeah, original so question. I, Sorry. I, I dove in because I know so many people meet um, challenges when they're trying to do something mm-hmm. that's championed by mm-hmm. rather than, you know, the million other ways that things are traditionally brought forward. So I want to dive in. But um, back to, like, how you put an actual TV show with Hulu together. I'm yes. super curious about the details. So in the first year, what we did was during our 100th year, um, we uh, the, the first year of the Small Business Revolution, we went across the country and we told the stories of 100 small businesses. And we did those through beautiful films and through photo essays, like photo journalism documentary film companies. This wasn't, you know, a, we would never call them videos. They are films. They're really beautiful, authentic storytelling. And we rolled those out throughout our 100th year. And so that was the way that we um, kind of tied it to our 100th anniversary. But again, telling these stories, because again, we we hope that if you hear a small business owner's story, you want to support them. So that was kind of the, the thesis of the movement was like, let's tell these stories so people are inspired to support small businesses. And then on our anniversary, we launched a capstone point of view documentary, but it's about a half an hour. It's really beautiful. And it talks all about the importance that small businesses play in our country, in our economy, um, Mm -hmm. in our neighborhoods, and in our communities. And so um, that was the first iteration of it. And, you know, it was so successful in terms of when I talk about being scrappy and stretching our spend. We reached 12 times more people with those 100 stories and the earned media and social media than we would have if we would have invested that same amount of money we invest in storytelling in paid advertising. So said again the reverse way, like we would have had to spend 12 times more than we invested in the films to reach that same amount of people because people were sharing it on our behalf. And that was kind of the strategy going into it was to use earned media and social media, organic social media to our benefit. So we just felt like if we created something that people wanted to spend time with they'd yeah. share it on our behalf and again then we would reach more people than we could, were prepared to spend or could afford right. to reach um, and so these were our these were our paid dollars used to create these stories it wasn't incremental you know content funding we were making a bet that instead of spending on paid advertising we would invest in the storytelling and the storytelling itself would be what would reach mm-hmm. people and it really did and so when, you, when you're looking at a kind of a 12 times return on that like oh my gosh we're onto something we got to keep doing this so yeah. this is where the television show comes into play so yeah. I didn't feel like in year two a good evolution would be to tell 101 stories <laughs> like <laughs> that seemed kind of like a, a, a weak evolution right, um, right. so uh, one of the things that we noticed though when we were telling these stories is we were so in love with these businesses they were so neat they were doing such beautiful work and and, but we could see, because we work with five and a half million small businesses at Deluxe on their marketing needs, mm-hmm. we could see all these gaps for the business. Like, right? I, mm. I was so tempted to just, as we're telling their story, say, oh, can I just fix this one thing on your website? Oh, yeah. Or can I go claim your Google um, listing? Or can we just get you new business cards? You know, we, we were so tempted to actually help them while we're telling their stories. Yeah. So we felt like, could we evolve it in a way where we still tell their stories, but could we be helping them too? This is what we do for small businesses yeah. and we can, we can lend a hand. And then the other thing is, as so we're like, there might be something here. Let's keep doing the storytelling, but let's show us helping. 
But then one of the things that we noticed when we were going across the country is that nowhere are small businesses more under siege than in our small towns. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard to run a small business no matter where you are. But these small communities, you know, main streets are being rerouted around the the main street. Big box stores are moving on the edge of town. And these these small mom and pop shops are having a really hard time uh, surviving. And so we thought, okay, that's going to be the context and the wrapper of what could be a show. Let's create a makeover show where we go in and help small businesses. And let's do it in a different small town each year. Mm -hmm. So the concept is that each year we ask people to nominate their favorite small town. And then Deluxe will invest half a million dollars in revitalizing the winning town's main street. And we revitalize it through its small business. So most of the episodes are about an individual small business and a makeover. And so that's kind of how it came to be. We're now in season four. We're about to open up nominations for season five when we launch season four. Um, but that's kind of the, the premise. I can go into more detail. But that's how it kind of yeah. came to be was let's keep this movement, but let's actually go to the degree of not just celebrating small businesses, but actually showing what help can look yeah. like to them. And that's so cool because even with the profiles, those are really moving. Um, but it, it is more of a profile. But with the show, it's like you've got this amazing beginning, middle, and end because mm-hmm. you see the progress along the way. It's still their story, but you're actually helping them propel themselves to the next level. So yeah. it's such a... Cool concept. Um, how did the actual, like, when you approach Tool and you're like, we've got this concept, are you pitching like someone, like any British company would pitch a show? Or how does that relationship work? Yep. Um, so, you know, Hulu uh, doesn't, again, typically do this and, and Netflix um, won't either. But we just felt like an OTT platform would be the best. So you can you can watch the, the show online on our website at smallbusinessrevolution.org if a person doesn't have Hulu. But um, we just felt like uh, kind of it, it gave it some credibility. Um, to be on an uh, on an actual platform, and uh, it's actually going to be coming to Prime in the fall as well. So Whoa. it'll reach that many more subscribers. So oh, we're that's excited. Exciting. Yeah, cool, cool. Um, you know, one of the ideas you already touched on a little bit, but I want to dig into more, especially you know, as a filmmaker at heart and head of a content studio, focuses on telling stories of good to inspire ripple effect of more good. Hopefully, I know you talk about do well by doing good. Um, do you want to unpack that a little bit more and maybe just touch on a few of the ways you've seen that activate? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just believe that we don't need to think about doing good. And this whole kind of for-profit and non-profit, these sectors are so mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. I think that companies can reach their customers actually in a more authentic way if you're doing good for them. And when I talk about this, I'm not talking about philanthropy. I think that as large companies, we should be giving away large amounts of money. That's our responsibility um, as, as community citizens. What I'm talking about is, is kind of what we've done, like really, truly repurposing ad dollars or other or, or you know operational dollars to do something that matters to your customer base i just feel like if as large brands we are standing behind giant megaphones um, people are listening and we have an opportunity to to change the world through our messaging and not every company needs to be attacking the same social issues but there are certain things that really matter to your customer base in our case Small business, it really matters to small businesses that people support them and, and understand that that's actually kind of a, a – you have to have that as your mission to support small businesses. Um, and so I think it's about really, first of all, just kind of identifying your brand purpose. You know, like what would the world be missing if you didn't exist? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of – every company has a lot of competitors, but what are you uniquely doing that – that the world would be different if you did if you weren't in business, mm-hmm. and then don't just stop at kind of identifying that, but figuring out then how you can turn that into an actual brand action. Mm-hmm. How can you actually do something? Don't just say you stand for something, but what are you actually actively doing to either advocate for your customers, make their lives better beyond selling them things? You know, what can you actually be 
doing to to kind of create mm-hmm. that groundswell with the platform that you have as a large brand. Um, sometimes it's advocacy. Sometimes it's uh, actual involvement. I mean, it can be different for every company. I Every time I look at a different company, even here in the Twin Cities, I look at we've got a large retailer, we've got packaged goods. I, it, I My brain can't not think of these great <laughs> ideas for how they could be making their, their customers' lives better. And then I think after you have that brand action, it's really about bringing it all the way through your organization. And it's such an engaging way for your employees to feel like they work for a company that wants to do more than just sell things, but actually make a difference in the world. And I just believe if, if every brand thought of this this way, you know, in, the, in my TEDx talk, I talk about how we spend $500 billion on advertising globally, annually wow. as companies, like $500 billion, like if just even a portion of that was redirected towards stuff that actually mattered, mm-hmm. we could still reach our customers, but we could also be changing the world. And if every brand behaved that way, like just think about how different the world could be. Yeah. I always point to Small Business Re- Revolution as one of the examples of this in action. I'm curious you. what you're seeing, like what's inspiring you, like other brands that are putting these ideas into action. Have you seen anything lately that you're like, oh, that's that's it? Uh, well, I you know, I was really moved this year around um, kind of the, uh, the support of Pride and, and the Twin mm-hmm. Cities Pride Festival and, and just how many companies uh, showed up, not just here in the Twin Cities, I think nationally, mm-hmm. and how many companies kind of um, got out there and, and really we're supporting it. Um, I think that's really beautiful. You know, you can't say you, you want to support a diverse customer base and that everyone is welcome in your store or at your company and that you serve everyone and then not participate in things that celebrate how um, special and unique we all are. And so I thought that was really moving this year. I, it was like at a whole new level, I felt. Um, and uh, the other thing I think is really neat is that we're look. you know, you look at kind of the um, the women's uh, soccer team and, uh, you know, this kind of battle around equity of pay. And, you know, part of that disparity, we see it in the WNBA versus the NBA as Mm -hmm. well. Um, We see it there, you know, there's a a women's hockey league. Like the biggest difference is around kind of ticket revenue, ad dollars, sponsorships. There's just, you know, those things are driven by viewership and and ad support. And so, you know, being a a CMO, being being a marketer, we kind of all need to then again, put our money where our mouth is and say, like, if we also stand for equity of pay, how are we showing up in those environments where that would be the thing that would close the gap? Because these these teams are and these leagues are their businesses, too. They, mm-hmm. they still are relying on revenue in order to be able to, to pay the players. And so I think it was really cool. Budweiser came forward and there's been a, a number of other brands. Um, Laura Barr came out and, and, and closed the gap this year, um, yeah. uh, you know, around that pay. And I just I feel like different brands have shown up and it would be fun to see how other brands kind of come to the table and say, yeah, if we say we believe in equity of pay, if we believe in, in women's sports, how are we showing up in the way we can, which is through ad dollars and sponsorships. So totally. lots of inspiring examples this season. I feel like a lot of marketers are seeing this and like feeling the energy around this type of work. And I imagine, I mean, you're doing a lot of speaking at marketing events and other events. When people come up to you, you're probably doing a lot of listening too. What what sorts of challenges are you hearing from other marketers who are trying to mount something like this but might be meeting some resistance? And then, like, what advice do you give to them? The hardest part is that uh, – you're right. I do get a lot of these questions. I just met uh, yesterday um, with a, a company or a brand that's uh, almost 100 years old and, and dealing with some of the same things we were uh, at Deluxe in terms of how do you change those perceptions. And the biggest thing is that everyone wants to understand the return. You know, yeah. If I do something kind of in this, in this um, purpose space, how does that translate into sales? Mm-hmm. And a company – 
is always accountable to those things, but it's about just making the bet and believing that if you do the right thing, that it'll translate, that your customers will see it. And if you try and measure it and monetize it too fast or in the wrong ways, it actually does more damage than not having done it at all. And that's something I'm always, you know, kind of minding and protecting with the small business revolution is how do we translate this into more people understanding that we sell websites and, and, and going ahead and buying a website from us. But the way we do that can still be in that same spirit of helping um, and minding that customer path is, is really important. But the one thing I always say is that you just have to really from the from the very beginning make sure your leadership understands that investments like this are also a longer term play. Uh, if you're changing those perceptions and investing in purpose, it's not going to be an overnight return. And you have to, people want to see proof. It's it's like a human personality, right? If, if yeah. you came up to me and said, I am really into volunteering and I think giving back is so important. And I'm like, that's cool. That's awesome. We're going to be good for you. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then I just don't see you doing that. Right. Like, uh, or, you know, if I, you know, but if I see you doing that year over year, I'm like, oh man, he really is into mm-hmm. that and that he stands behind what he's saying. Yeah. And so brands also have to kind of give themselves a runway for this to translate and to prove that they're going to do it in the right way. So that's the biggest piece of advice I can give is managing those expectations on the way in because it can yeah. very quickly be put in the same camp as like demand gen and lead gen and right. all these other very highly measurable return oriented things. And uh, we just kind of have to go back to our roots as, as marketers and communicators and understand, yeah. like, just trust our guts. Like, it's common sense. Like, if you do something that matters and is good, like, it's going to mm-hmm. come back around, but you have to be patient. Cool. Well, that's all super helpful, both inspiring and practical. Um, I'm curious, what's next for you? Well, you know, I am. I'm loving the small business revolution. Deluxe is incredible. You know, I think longer term in my career, I'm just anxious to prove that other brands can do this. You know, mm-hmm. I I want to prove that this wasn't an anomaly, that there wasn't just this flash in time that this worked for us. I believe that other brands can commit to this kind of a, um, you know, doing well by doing good and, and really brand action. And I don't think they'll all manifest into a show necessarily, mm-hmm. but I. I do believe in the power of film and storytelling. I know you do as well, very wholeheartedly. <laughs> and I just feel like you can move hearts and minds in a different way when you're telling stories. And if you think about storytelling, it's as old as time, right? This is mm-hmm. how we've communicated since the beginning of time. And so, you know, you can hear about a statistic or a problem. But when you just hear it at the statistic level, you're kind of moved by it. And then when you hear about how it affects a real person or yeah. you see it personified, it just moves you in a different way. And so um, whatever I do next will definitely have storytelling at its core. And it'll be with a brand that really does want to commit to this kind of brand action, like making their customers' lives better. That sounds like so much fun. <laughs> um, well, we'll be watching for season four of SBI and just curious to see what you're making next. All right. Thank you. To stream episodes of Main Street Small Business Revolution, open up Hulu or Amazon Prime Video on your smart TV or head on over to smallbusinessrevolution.org. To learn more about Amanda's approach or book her to speak at your next marketing event, head over to amandakbrinkman.com. Thanks for listening. Join us next time when we'll be chatting with Paola Matsua, the head of content and media at REI Co-op, about how they built an amazing content program for the outdoor retailer.